Hi, welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God, He loves you, and wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. I'm excited about today's message because in many ways I think it refers to a type and shadow of where we are in our nation today. And uh, we've been teaching on the kingdom and and, and we're going to be the kingdom connection on Wednesday evening. This Wednesday evening we're going to be talking about where are the fathers. Where are the fathers and not just the natural fathers, where are the spiritual fathers in today's society. See fathers are there to bring protection to, if you will, to give coverings, to bring unity, to bring healing. You remember the story of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son took the, the inheritance of his father, went out and squandered it. And when he came home, the older brother was all upset. And the father came out to him and he said, what is, what is the problem? He says, your younger brother who squandered all that stuff, and you, you've killed the fatty cat to celebrate him. Because he, he said, your son. The father looked at the older son he says, your brother. See, fathers are supposed to bring unity, not separation. Any person who calls themselves a spiritual father today that's trying to create division, then they need to examine their calling. They need to examine their, their, their purpose in life. And I don't care what color you may be. I don't care in our situations we're facing today. If you are a father of any kind, a personal, individual, bloodline father, or you are a spiritual overseer, minister, pastor, prophet, father, then you are supposed to be bringing healing and restoration. Thank you very much. And so it's kind of difficult sometimes because really in our society, people want us to make everybody feel happy. But unfortunately, sometimes fathers don't make family members happy. Whoa, quietness has hit the place. You know, sometimes fathers are not the most popular in the family if you take a vote. Because fathers are the ones who have to correct and direct. Fathers are the ones that have to lead and guide. Fathers are the ones that sometimes have to sit down and talk to people in a way and their children in a way that their children aren't real happy with and discipline their children in a way their children aren't real happy with. And sometimes as a pastor, I, I look at it, and we've been here 42 years, and, and, I, and I finally accepted the fact after all these years that I guess I have to accept the fact I am the father in this house. Consequently, I'm going to have to deal with issues that some people don't have to deal with. You know, children can talk about anything they want to. Children can act any way they want to. We've got a lot of children out there in, in, the, in the world today acting like children because they're not looking for answers. They're hurt. You know, when children get hurt, they don't care about the answers. They just want to feel better. Oh, come on. You'll get this in a minute. You know, my, my little grandson, he, he was out at the pool and he, and he, and he slipped, uh, you know, jumping in the pool and, and slipped down and, and scraped his leg. And I took him inside and I said, now we're going to have to clean it up and put some peroxide on it. He says, I don't want any peroxide. I said, but you don't understand. You need to do this. We don't need infection. But he's a child. He just wants to feel good. He don't want to do what's necessary to keep infection out. And that's where we are in America today. Everybody wants to feel good. They just don't want to do what's necessary to keep infection out. And so we want to talk to you today about a passage of Scripture in the book of Nehemiah. And we want to begin to share some things with you about the assignments that we have in life. Every one of us have an assignment, but your assignment has to be spiritually 
if you will, directed, if it's a true assignment. Every one of us are created in the image and likeness of God. Come on, look at a person next to you and say, he's talking about you. You say, now wait a minute, now we got males and females, we got young, we got old, we got, we got black, we have white, we have Asian, we have all kinds of different, what do you mean? We're, God said, mankind is created in his image and his likeness. Now look at the person on the other side and say, he is talking about you. See, if we can understand that, we can get along. Boy, it's quietness. I, I love it. Not a lot of amens today. Hallelujah. You say, where's he going with this? Trust me, you're going to enjoy it by the end of the day. Because I know where God's taking us. But we are called of God on an assignment. What is our assignment in life? Well, let's go back to the book of Genesis for a quick moment. We understand that when God put mankind in the garden, he said there was no one there to maintain or to till the garden. The garden had the ability to be productive, but there needed to be someone there that would keep the productivity in line. Oh, come on, folks. And so he put man there that he would maintain the garden. But because of the sin of man, the ability to maintain the garden and the authority to do so was lost. And when that happened, the enemy began to wreak havoc on the earth, tearing down everything that God had ever created. Much like the story we're going to talk about today with Nehemiah with the walls of Jerusalem being torn down. And we as a people have to understand that our assignment in the image and likeness of God is to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and walk in authority. That the first thing that we need to understand in our maintenance of what God has given us is that we have to be creative and we have to be productive. I said we have to be creative and we have to be productive, which is totally opposite of what we see in our nation today. Nothing wrong with a protest, but when you become destructive, you're no longer operating in the image of God. I do not care what color you may be. I do not care what organization you belong to. I do not care whether you're young or you're old, male or female. The moment you become destructive, you now are no longer reflecting the image of God. Being a witness or a protest is perfectly fine as long as you do it with the right understanding and motive. And we should come against injustice. We should stand against it. We should speak against it. But more than that, take our authority and make sure that we can put in place that which is necessary that it cannot continue. We talk about living in a nation, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. But we've not done that because we've never changed what's gone on in our nation for years. And I'm a little bit bothered by our political people. They've done nothing about correcting the problem to where now we're having riots in the streets because they've done nothing for years upon years upon years. And all of a sudden now they've got answers. I got news for you folks, defunding the police is not the answer. Like it, leave it, lump it, don't care what you think about it. I said a father has to get rough sometimes. The answer is not in the political system. And when you try and solve the problems of people through the political arena, all you do is conflict the problems. 
The problem is in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that we begin to be what God created us to be, do what he called us to do. We are the ones that have the answer because the answer is in one thing only. That's the name of Jesus. And it's time the church quit allowing the world to bring separation to the body of Christ using all the methods they use to separate. Ooh, quietness has hit. The church is called to be in unity. When we dwell in unity, the anointing flows from the top all to the bottom, and there God commands the blessings of life forevermore. But what we've done is we've allowed the world system to creep into the church. And so the church is divided and splintered today. The walls are broken down in the body of Christ. We've allowed separation to come. That we sit around and argue with one another. And we use the world's method to justify our deal. Let me suggest something to you. No one will ever, ever, ever discount the injustices that have been brought to the people, the black people of our nation. You cannot go back and redo the injustices that have been done. What we have to do is make sure they can never have another day of light in our society anymore. I hate that part of the history of America is some of those injustices and, and the things that have been done to the people of our country. Our nation is built on that we're all created equal in the eyes of God. We all should have liberty and justice. And just because in the past they haven't done it, it cannot be used as an excuse not to do it now. Oh, man, you said you're going to preach? Yeah, I'm getting there. But can I suggest something to you? You want to talk about an injustice? I was thinking about it yesterday. I, I, somebody sent me a video, and I listened to it. And they went on and on and on about all the injustices, named all of the people and what's been done. And they were absolutely right in what they were saying. But when I finished listening to it, my heart was heavy because the person who sent it to me was a born-again Christian, a spirit-filled Christian, been in our church for years. And I thought to myself, maybe I should go in my library and send them the Fox's Book of Martyrs. You want to talk about suffering, let's talk about the church. See, we don't want to hear about that, do we? Oh, no, no uh-uh. At least nobody's been fed to the lions lately. At least no one's buried down and haven't come by with the chariots in the arena with the things and cutting heads off. I haven't seen anybody sewn up in the hides of animals and put in the middle of the desert to sit out there and die. I haven't seen anybody yet. I know we've, we've had the injustice of, of causing a man and many men and women to die whether it be from guns or whether it be from physical abuse and things of that nature. But I got news for you. Christians right now over in the Middle East are having their heads cut off or having their tongues cut out or being buried alive or being put in cages and set on fire. But we say nothing about that. You want to talk about injustices, people listen to me. The church, if anybody needed to riot, the church should riot. Oh, we don't want to deal with that, do we? 
because it doesn't meet our scenario. I'm a kid who got my thumb caught in the door. And so all I care about is getting, feeling better rather than doing what's necessary to quit getting in the door. I'm not justifying and I'm not comparing. What I am saying is this. Let's look at how God dealt with the injustices. And then see how we're supposed to deal with them. I cannot imagine Jesus hanging on the cross. Let's follow the story for a moment. And I'm not into teaching yet. Jesus healed all that was sick and oppressed of the devil that came to him. He fed the multitudes. He turned the water into wine. He brought forgiveness to the unforgivable. Refused to condemn the lady caught in adultery. Hung on the cross and the thief next to him said, I deserve to be here. You don't. Will you remember me? He says, today you'll be with me in paradise regardless of what's been done to me. I'm going to bring healing to you. And he looked at the world with a his side has been a spear put in his side, a crown of thorns upon his head, his hands nailed to the wood and his feet nailed to the wood, crown of thorns on his head, beaten to the point he wasn't recognizable. And he said, Father, forgive them. I refuse to get on their level. I refuse to get on their religious level. I refuse to get on their racism. Romans doing this to Jews. I refuse to lower myself to, Father, I'm suspended between heaven and earth. Forgive them. I'm not saying not to carry out justice and it should be carried out. But do not allow the spirit of unforgiveness to so overwhelm us we forget our identity that we are here to repair the breaches that have been brought to humanity because of sin. Not popular. I might lose some votes. But I'm going to tell you the truth. Either we are who God said we are or we're not. God never said, he said, love the world. He gave his only begotten son to only white people. To only brown people, to only black people. He didn't say that. He so loved, everybody say world. world. Those that are watching at home, type in world. Get it in your spirit. The world is every race, every creed, every color. Because the spirit of man, I don't care what color you are. I don't care what gender you are. I don't care what background you're from. If you are a human being, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. And it searches the innermost parts of the belly. You're created in the image and likeness of God. Well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, I've had to struggle with it. I'm only 5'6". I like to be 6 foot 2. I'm not big. I'm not asking for much. I don't need to be a big, tall basketball player. I'd be happy with 6 foot. I would be happy with 5'9". But I don't care how big you are. Your image is no different than mine when it comes to God. Are you ready to preach yet? I think I'm about there. 
We as a church have got to take this bull by the horns and change the community in which we live to see the reflection of God. We've got to repair the walls that have been broken down. And it starts first at home. We look at the book of Nehemiah, I find it fascinating. We, we go to the scripture, we find in Nehemiah in, in, in chapter 1, starting in verses 3 through 7, if we could put that up on the screen. They said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity of the providence are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and all its gates are burned with fire. Next verse. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down, I wept, I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Next verse. I said, I pray God for heaven, a a great, awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive and your your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you. Now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you, and I have kept the commandments. I have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Say, what are you talking to me about, Pastor? I want us to see something here. It's very important, but let's go to verse 11 before I go any further with this. Oh, Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servants prosper this day. I pray and I grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Let's see something for a moment. Here's a nation that has been devastated by another nation. They have been taken into slavery into another nation and their city, their holy city, has been torn down to ruins. The the walls have been destroyed. And when your walls are destroyed, it makes it easy for the enemy to get in. When your walls are torn down, the enemy has any, any breach in the wall gives access to the enemy, weakens our ability to be an influence, and alters our God-given destiny. But let's look at the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at the compromises that we've made. Let's talk about how we've allowed breaches to come into the church, into the walls of the church, into where now we're trying to preach a gospel that's acceptance rather than a gospel that is pure and true. We no longer call sin, sin. We no longer deal with the issues that are at hand. We have people that will sit in the church and lift their hands and worship their God as long as it feels good. But the moment you've got to make a decision whether you're going to stand against something like abortion, you hold your tongue. And you wonder why we are in the situation we're in today in America. You wonder because the churches have allowed the walls to be torn down. We've not maintained what God has given us. I believe this is a wake-up call in America today. I thank God that America's finally waking up. That the fathers, the spiritual fathers are going to have to step up to the plate and begin to preach the gospel and begin to preach the word as never before. We've compromised ourselves that we want a a church that people feel good and people can be entertained and everybody's accepted and nobody's offended. And so we wonder why we're in the mess we're in. We're wondering why a policeman put his knee on a back and and caused a man to die of asphyxiation. 
We wonder why a, a black man can be shot and nobody do anything about it. We wonder why policemen can be ambushed and shot and nobody do anything about it. How is it that we can come against one but we can't come against the other? Because we're compromised in our belief. We're compromised in our righteousness. We're compromised in our walk before God. That I'm here to tell you this is a wake-up call to the church just as we see Nehemiah. And when he heard, he began to weep and he began to cry. And church, until we begin to weep. Listen, not when we begin to protest. Not when we get out and try and get on one side or the other. But we see the injustice that has taken place. And we begin to weep and cry that because the church has let this happen. In America, in the nation that we love and we live. Well, I don't believe that. Oh, really? Really? We forget one man called of God brought this nation to its knees with the message of love and restoration and rebuilding the walls. His name was Martin Luther King. How soon we've forgotten. I said, how soon we've forgotten where we come from. But it's time the church began to move to a different understanding. We cannot allow there to be any breaches in our wall. We've got to begin to walk in righteousness, and we've got to begin to walk in peace, and we've got to begin to walk in the joy of the Holy Ghost. We've got to be led forth by the Spirit of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Not as many as are led by any movement or any group, but I'm led by the Spirit of God. And if I'm led by the Spirit of God, then everybody is accepted, and everybody is loved, and everybody is taken care of. And all injustices are treated the same. Nehemiah, we find that number one, he, had, he, he discovered his purpose. I pray to God our church can discover their purpose. We've lost sight of it. We've lost sight. We've allowed this, like this pandemic, we've allowed this to come in. Well, you can't meet in your church and you can't gather together. And we got people crouched at home and they're so afraid to get out and get around anybody because you might get the virus. I got news for you. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together in these last days when the soon approaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. The enemy wants to divide. See, because the enemy knows when the church comes together, you can't stop the church. We're a people that God said this year we'd be a people that if we'll move with purpose, we'll find favor. My God. It's been a long time since the church found favor because we haven't moved in unity. The reason they took prayer out of the school, because the church said nothing. The reason the Supreme Court would Roe versus Wade pass it, because the church did nothing. The reason we're having the racism in our cities and our nation today is because the church has not done their job. And I'm talking to every minister to listen to me. I'm a part of that, but I've made up my mind. Somebody said, well, what are you going to do about it? I'm doing it right now. What are you doing about it? I might not go on the street and march with you and have a moment, but I'm going to begin to spend the rest of my life, and not a moment, but a lifetime of beginning to correct what some of these people have tried to destroy. God has called the church to be the church, and when we do that, we're going to be here for eternity and not for a moment or for a video shoot or to be seen for a moment or get a vote. I don't care about votes. I don't care about moments. I don't care whether I'm liked or not liked. I don't care about popularity. I want to bring change to our nation with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God said when we do that and only when we do that will we walk in favor.
When you walk in favor, you have authority. Nehemiah had favor with the king, and the king gave him authority. He said, I need to go look and see what's going on. I need to develop a plan of action. And that's what we're going to do in our, our, our church here. We're already putting things together. We're going to have a plan of action. <laughs> My action is not going to be, I agree or disagree. No, no, no. We're going to have a plan of action that we can be a true light in the community in which we live. Of bringing people together and not separating people. The fourth thing, or the fifth thing is we find that once you have a plan of action, now you have the ability to recruit others to be involved with you. Now you have, see, when you don't have a plan of action and all you've got is a big mouth, you get a lot of people to come out for the moment, but in the long run, you have nobody recruited. I said you have nobody recruited. Because you don't have a plan, therefore your recruitment has nothing to set their, or hang their hat on or to, or to put their trust in. You change with the wind. But when you've got a plan, you're in a position to recruit people because now you have longevity. We find that when you can have, be in a position to recruit people, you create an atmosphere of faith. An atmosphere of faith. And when you create the atmosphere of faith, you establish a new beginning. You establish a new beginning. We cannot have a new beginning until the church becomes the church. I don't care who you put in office. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care who you stand with. I have some real issues about some of the people that, you, that our people in the nation are looking at. See, we vote on personality rather than on, on truth. We vote on whether I like someone rather than on whether what they're doing is, is best for the church. Hmm. Let me move on. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10. Watch this. When Sambalot, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, their official or their servants heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. Understand something. When you begin to talk the way I'm talking right now, if people hear what I'm saying, they're going to be offended at me. It's not listening to what I'm, why I'm saying what I'm saying, but they're trying to create a scenario so they got an argument so they don't have to do anything proper. They're just offended that somebody cares because it goes against their narrative. What works today in our society is you don't care. But what happens when the church cares? What happens when a church that is in Margate, Florida, 75, 80% black, 20% between Caucasian and Asian and Hispanic and Brazilian get in agreement. What are you going to do? You can't do anything because we're standing arm to arm, hand to hand. We're standing in unity and we're going to show you the reflection of the kingdom of God. And they're going to be mad. Already, I guarantee you, I'm getting people mad already. Probably even some of you in here, bless your hearts. Altar calls are coming. The attack of the enemy reveals that they believe in your abilities to succeed. Mike Murdoch wrote that. 
When you're attacked by your enemy, it's because they're afraid you might win. If they didn't think you could win, they wouldn't even bother with you. Listen, Satan wouldn't even touch you if you weren't doing anything for God. The enemy only gets involved when you're doing what your purpose and you're called to do. It's amazing to me. When you announce your goals, you will always discover your enemies. So I'm setting, I'm drawing the line in the sand today. I'm announcing my goals. Come on, enemy. Come on our way. The church will not be destroyed. The gates of hell should not prevail against the church. Not Rick Thomas. Oh, no, not me. You can kick me up and beat me up all you want to. But I'm not, I'm just a member of the church. So you got to understand, when you come against somebody in the body of Christ, you're not coming against them. You're coming against the whole, oh, my Lord. There will always be enemies to God's purpose in your life. Always be enemies to God's purpose in your life. Nehemiah had three. They were enemies that became furious. They became indignant. They began to mock him. They began to have plans of destruction against him. They began to send him letters, what we call letters or information, probably emails in our day and time, and words to intimidate. Sambalot, Tobiah, and Gashem. I call them the Democrats, Republicans, and the news media. Let that sink in a little bit. Well, I'm a Democrat. They're not your friend. They're not children of God. Some of them might be, but the, but the, but the party is not. They took God off of the stand in their, in, in when they had their last gathering to elect uh, Hillary Clinton to run for president. They took God out of the platform. And you call yourself what? Oh, <laughs> get to me amens on that. They're not Republicans because now they begin to compromise, compromise, compromise in everything they're doing. LBGT, all the communities, all the homosexuals. Most Republicans, they believe in abortion. But I'm a Republican. No, I'm a child of God. I don't vote, I don't vote, I don't vote for a party. Would they stand up? No, they don't stand up for you. You're a child of God. Quit putting yourself in the world system. I'm a blood-bought child of God. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. They didn't pay for my sins. They could not pay for my sins. They did not redeem me from my sins. And therefore, I refuse to let you tell me how I should think, how I should talk, how I should walk, and how I should vote. We've been divided, folks. The walls have been torn down. We've allowed the news media to tear us down. God, what's supposed to be a blessing has become a curse. I've, I've had more things sent to me, which shocks me from many ministers around the nation, as well as people in my congregation that I'll begin to listen and I turn it off and I begin to weep. It is so prejudicial. It is so one-sided. One on one side and one on the other. And we listen to the news media like Don Lemon 
is a brother to Jesus. Hannity is Peter's best friend. Give me a break. They all need to evaluate who they are when it comes to God. I refuse to let a man who has an agenda that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God speak into my life. Do not allow your enemies to rob you of your focus. Do not sacrifice your dream on the altar of your enemy's opinion. Do not spend time with a liar or you will eventually believe their lies. Disappointing people does not give you the right to quit. Stop asking for permission for you to be successful. Your memory sees the past, but your imagination sees your future. Can you imagine with me? Go back. I challenge you, go back and listen to Dr. Martin Luther King teaching in Washington on the steps there. I have a dream. I challenge you. I challenge you. Let your imagination begin to run with that. See us walking together of all races, of all creeds, of all colors, our kids growing up. In play. You know, racism has to be taught. But if we can begin to imagine that we are the caretakers, that we are in the image and likeness of God he's put on earth, that we would maintain what he's created and we would stay in unity. Imagine the possibilities we can bring to our city and to our county, to our state and to our nation. Imagine what could happen around the world if the church literally became the church and quit trying to act like they're religious and start being who God created them to be. Conviction and comfort do not live on the same block. It's not always comfortable when you live by your convictions. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 20 he says this the God of heaven he will prosper us therefore we his servants will arise and build but you who stood against us you will have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem or in the city of the walls that we repaired Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 6 so I sent a messenger to the enemy saying I'm doing a great work, so I cannot come down. Why should I, or why should the work cease while I leave it and go talk to you? The next time somebody comes up to you with their agenda, say, I'm not coming down off of the wall. I don't have time to hear your dissension. I don't have time to hear your virile attack. I don't have time to hear you tearing somebody else down. I want to, I'm staying on the wall. I'm repairing the wall. I'm bringing back unity. I'm healing the nation. I'm bringing peace and I'm bringing unity to everyone who lives in this great nation of ours. I refuse to come down from where God's called me to listen to you who's doing nothing. Church, if we dare, oh God, if we dare, to be the church.
the enemy is going to have to come up with a whole new set of attacks. Because the attacks he's been using now, as far as I'm concerned, if the church will be the church, are over with. Racism is insidious. It is ungodly. It is wrong. It is sin. And it is taught. What would happen if the church dared to teach righteousness, peace, and the Holy Ghost, and therefore racism would have no place to go to? I love what we heard this past Wednesday night from Andrew. Tell racism to get out. Just get out. You need to type that in right now. Get out. Racism, get out. Just get out. I'm sick of it. And I'm not coming on off a wall to get caught up in all the wrong things. Now you say, Bishop, what are you saying to me? I'm saying this. We have the greatest nation in the world. There has been so many injustices that have been done for people of color. Someone said to me once, they said, well, this Black Lives Matter thing, I don't I, I have a problem with that. All lives matter. Stop it. I was sharing with our staff the other day. If I've got an Asian man and a black man and a white man walking down the street and the black man has been run over and hurt, I don't say the Asian man doesn't matter. I don't say the white man doesn't matter. But the only one that matters right now is the one that's hurt. And in our society, our black brothers and sisters in our communities are hurting. They're being taken advantage of by the politicians, by the news media. But it doesn't change the fact they're hurt. They're confused. And they don't know what to do. But we as the church have the ability to bring healing and restoration. To restore the broken down wall. He said, if we dare to get an agreement, we can ask God anything and he will answer us. He said, if we dare to dwell in unity, he'll command his blessings upon us. All we have to do is move to that place that we've been assigned to. See, the assignment is to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Healing, restoration, deliverance, victory, success. You see, he takes your ashes. If you'll give it to him, he'll give you beauty. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come. Father, I've, I've poured my heart out this morning. I've given all that I can give. And I pray that you'll begin to move across this congregation and begin to move across the homes, across America, and really around the world, even over, whether it's over in, in, in Europe and London or whether it be in Asia, Father God, in Thailand, Vietnam, or Cambodia, whether it be over in Colombia or Panama, Costa Rica, whether it be in Romania or any of the places that people are viewing or watching. Father, let them begin to sense that there's a presence of God that's entering into the place they are. You said we're to bind up the brokenhearted. And Father God, I pray that by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, you'll begin to bring healing to the brokenhearted. Father, I pray 
that you'll cause this nation to rise up again if the church will begin to repair the walls, repair the breaches. The enemy's going to lose its hold on this great nation of ours. And we'll be able to lead again as we've been called to lead and touch the world the way you've called us to touch the world. But right now, to that individual, take away that brokenness by the power of your Holy Spirit. Begin to restore the brokenhearted. Father, begin to give them their ashes the victory and the beauty that you've ordained for their lives. And Father God, I pray that if they've committed any sin against you, that today they will recognize it just as Nehemiah did and say, God, forgive me. I want to be one that repairs the walls that does not want to tear them down. I want to accept my assignment as a child of God and to, to be a living witness of the kingdom and bring healing and bring forgiveness to them. I pray, Father. Thank you for listening. We trust that the message you have heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry and resources, or to show your continued support, we invite you to log on to AbundantLife.tv.